Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your trusted resource for the latest strategies, tactics, and tips on running a high-performance sales development program. Sales development has grown to become a critical part of the success of high-growth companies, and we dive in each week on how to specifically make your program successful and accelerate your career advancement. Subscribe at iTunes, YouTube, and jump on the newsletter over at 10pound.com to make sure you never miss an episode. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. Super excited today. We're going into a topic that we've been talking about a lot lately. It's coming up more and more in the sales development world. I've got Lee Gladish, co-founder and CEO of Airborne App over at airborneapp.com. We're going to throw the link in the description. Lee, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, David. Thanks for having me. Excited to join the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're on the forefront of the topic and you know, before we dive in on in-house versus outsourced and, and integrating those, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to start the company and, and what brings you to starting Airborne App? Yeah, I, I, got, I got started in software sales probably like you know, 14, 13, 14 years ago at NetSuite. It was you know, phenomenal experience, learned all about SaaS. Those were, I guess, were still really early days in SaaS because when we were pitching people on how to run their accounting online. Let's just say a lot of people didn't take to that so well, but you know, NetSuite, <laughs> NetSuite figured out the That's niche. Different. It is, yeah, they figured out the niche. They, they definitely kind of found their way and it was a great company to work for, amazing leadership. And you know, they, they built a unicorn and, and you know, ultimately sold and you know, NetSuite's still around. But got into NetSuite and then I got the startup bug because I was you know, a NetSuite pre-IPO, so I learned a lot of the grinding, especially early days. And joined a few other startups, uh, VP of sales, and kind of worked my way up. And I worked with some really great leaders at some of these other startups that I was with. And, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was just like, a, a, you know, a VP or a cog in the wheel and just like, you know, in staying in your lane. They, they really helped me understand, you know, what they're going through in the business and, and all the obstacles of, you know, like what a CFO does and a COO and then, you know, what a great CEO looks like. And, you know, I, I just was so attracted to that. I, I just kept working at startups and ultimately, you know, just kind of, you just fall into doing your own. And that's kind of where I, kind of how I am today, where I got to today. Do you think entrepreneurs are, are it's like a born innate thing? It's kind of like the salesperson question. Are, are salespeople, are entrepreneurs born or made? I mean, can somebody who's not necessarily got that DNA become a successful entrepreneur? I think so. I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs and successful entrepreneurs that I would not think that they had the DNA and, and you know, they built a great company. I don't know if they're great leaders, but they, they built a company that, that did fairly well. Timing has a lot to do with it. I definitely believe it's something you can learn. I was brought up to be, you know, work nine to five, get a, get a paycheck, you know, save your money, pay your mortgage. Like that's what my parents taught me they were immigrants and that's what they that's what they taught me and it's funny enough my sister and I are both entrepreneurs so you can break through that and I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and it, it took time I, I wish you know looking back now I'm in my 40s now I wish what I would have started when I was 22 but you know percent yeah yep. I was born in the same kind of environment and back then it wasn't as accessible and now it's it's almost a trend, you know, because it's there's so many tools that are available and there's so much encouragement to do it. And I, I think ultimately that's great, you know, for the economy. I mean, so many things 
starting that wouldn't be before. But I think there's a lot of people that find themselves like sometimes they're almost forced to be an entrepreneur, right? Because they're just outside of the norm. Some of the best entrepreneurs are because they're forced to. Another thing is, you know, we didn't (laughs) have, don't fit. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years ago, there wasn't, you know, Upwork and, and, you know, Fiverr and all these other sites. And you just, it, it just wasn't available. Now, Anyone could do it. Really, anyone could do it. And 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 let's face it, we've all worked at a company where you've had you know bad leadership or a bad CEO, and you're always like, I think I can do a better job. And yeah. you know, it's sometimes just confidence, right? You, like we've been there. I've been there. You're like, man, this guy's really bad. Like, how is he CEO? But you know, <laughs> there's always someone good beside that person, or they learned, or you know, they got the grit that you don't have. And like, there's always something about an entrepreneur. So. Yeah, we've all been there. But yeah, for me, it's, it's for now, I'll never look back. I, I'll always want to, you know, just be an entrepreneur in one way or form or another. 100%. And, and it's funny because you think, God, how, how can this person be an entrepreneur, be a CEO, and then you become that job, whatever it is. I mean, you could say like, how could that person be X? And then you become that and you're like, God, this is really hard. No wonder. <laughs> you know we all have, I look back and we all, we all watched the office and the U S office and we all, everyone, no matter who you are, everyone has a little bit of Michael Scott in you, right? <laughs> Even though you don't want to admit it, there's, everyone has a Michael Scott moment, but you know, you, with maturity. And I think the thing is you, you know, it's working with really good people. Me, the, I think the transition that really helped me the most, it was really focusing on everything outside of you know, building a company and scaling and products and, you know, getting customers and revenue. For, for me, what I've realized recently, it's all about, you know, what's your vision and your mission and your values and having your staff, you know, understand that and be able to recite it and, and know it and believe it. And, you know, that's ultimately keeps you on the track of, you know, what kind of company you want to build. And, you know, I think some entrepreneurs never, never get to that point. And I think everyone should, you know, you really need to have that from, from day one is understanding those things very early and setting that foundation for your company. That's so true. And, and not, not just platitudes or something that you stick on the board. It's like real values, you know, for the company and, and what you're trying to accomplish versus just, I mean, and there was a big trend for a while of like, we're going to put our mission and values up on the board and everybody will walk by it in the break room, you know, look at it, but no, there's a difference, different. right? Well, your, your, your staff, your staff has to believe, right? They have to, how, how do they belong? And it, it goes down right to the root of how you hire, you know, that they align with these values. When you make decisions, if you fire somebody, if you're building a partnership, like it all aligns together. So I found that over the, over the last few years, that's, that's really helped me kind of like level up. It's amazing. And so you're really instilling that with this current venture. Tell us about Airborne app and, you know, what problem are you trying to solve? Because I want to talk about obviously the landscape of SDRs inside versus outside outsourced. Tell us about what problem are you trying to solve and, you know, the mission that you're on here with Airborne. Sure. I'll give you a quick little elevator pitch here. So, you know, Airborne's a sales engagement application. What does that really mean? You know, I know there's a lot of sales engagement applications out there. So much like other sales engagement applications, we're similar at the core. So we manage automation of email, phone, LinkedIn, tasks, reporting. The value that Airborne solves is different than everyone else is that we focus only on agencies and outsource companies. So if we look at the current solutions on the market, they focus on the individual user, sales individual, one seat, 
one login. So they're working in silos. Agencies have a completely different set of requirements. So I'll give you an example. An agency, let's say, that has 10 accounts that they're working on. Those 10 accounts are 10 different companies that they're doing lead gen for, for example. Those agencies, the current solutions that they have today, they have to buy 10 individual accounts, 10 licenses. They can't share logins. Again, reporting's in 10 different places. Billing, their templates, there's no client access. Agencies have to build custom reports and hire a developer and API to build any type of reporting internally to understand what are our 10 accounts doing? Never mind if you have 50 or 100 accounts, which some agencies do. How do they manage all that? So when we built Airborne, we made sure that you know, we wanted to talk to these agencies. And we talked to close to 100 before we even wrote a line of code. You know, focusing and nailing a niche was really important to us. My last company was a company called Reply.io. So I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that company. That company focused on the individual sales side of the business. The problem is agencies, that product is not built for them. So we wanted to find a niche and solve that problem because we felt that it was big enough in the market. And that's what we're doing today. We eventually will go to sales teams. But before we do that, we want to find out, you know, what's wrong in the market and how we can make the sales team product better. But for today, outsource agencies and outsource companies that we're focusing on. Got it. Okay, this is really interesting. So we, because a lot of people, you know, listen to this who, who are running outsourced agencies, they're managing these programs, they probably have the exact same headache. But then there's a lot of people who have in-house you know, SDR teams, and they're trying to figure out how do I, you know, work with the outsource world. So there's kind of, I mean, there's pain on both sides there. So, you know, if you think about the advantages of having an in-house team and the advantages of having an outsource team, how do you think about those two, you know, strategies? Yeah. So we definitely have seen there's a hybrid before it was, you know, only in-house then outsource came and now there's definitely a hybrid. So with in-house and outsourced, if you know, you're going to integrate both together, it, it really depends on the sales team structure. Okay. So to give you a little more background on that, if, if think about if you have a really good sales team, you have really good reps and they know how to close business, you know, outsourcing prospecting to keep those reps closing more business. That's like a great strategy. It's a win-win. If, your marketing team, so looking at outsourcing, if your marketing team is weak or non-existent, that's not able to generate leads, you definitely want to go outsourcing 100%. Other scenarios that we want to look at is if leads are being generated. So there are companies that are generating leads. Down, there's downloads for, for content downloads. There's webinars. There's trial users. But a lot of companies, the, the reps aren't touching those leads. So having an outsourced company to educate and qualify, I find it often gets forgotten in a lot of companies. So there's a lot of hybrid models where you can work and decide, you know, it's in-house and outsourced. And most of the time they, they work together. There are certain times when they don't, but you definitely want to have a model that feeds one off of another. So, you know, the, I always say the best outbound is the best inbound that you get. So reps are working and closing deals, but reps, they, sometimes they don't have time. to. They don't follow up with a lot of the, the stale leads. Perfect for outsourcing companies. So and outsourcing also takes a lot of skill, just like finding a good rep who hits quota year over year. It's the same thing with finding a good outsource company. You, you really need to make sure that that company can, you know, do the work that you're looking for, just like a good rep. I always look at, 
you know, early stage companies and they always, they're the ones with the limited budgets. I'm in that position, right? I'm in that position, limited budget. Do I hire a rep for three to 4k? That's fairly inexperienced. That I have to teach and train. You know, I went to an outsource company, kind of like a hybrid. I have a guy here. I have an outsource company that I, I do a little bit of both and they book a ton of meetings for us. So that model works really well because for that same amount that I hire a rep or three to 4k or even 5k, you can find a really good outsource agency that's going to do the, the work of three or four or five reps. That's a big value there. Nice. So, okay. So why, why not just, you know, and I don't want to scare anybody, but if you're a SDR manager, <laughs> you don't want to get outsourced, right? That, that used to be, that used to be so scary, you know, in the old days, I'm going to get outsourced, you know? So if you're sitting there with a, with an in-house team, what are the advantages of having an in-house team versus outsourced? Yeah. So sales training, you have, you're, you're training your reps, your, those BDRs are going to be account managers or, you know, sales leaders one day. So it's a great way to bring up that, those reps. So sales training is one sales enablement become very popular over the last few years, you know, working again with an outsourced company and in, in getting them to instill the same values and sit this pushing sales enablement to them. Like it's not their goal. Their goal is to book meetings for you. So you're losing a lot of the sales enablement side of the things. If you have a lot of experience in health, so we take, let's take an enterprise company. They're probably, I know they outsource divisions and departments of products that they sell, but they have that experience in house. And I've seen out, I've seen enterprise companies acquire outsource companies and brought them in house to manage their business development. So when you have that experience in house, you can definitely run a great playbook. Another thing is that they have big marketing teams. Some companies, if you have a big marketing, you're driving lots of leads. You know, sometimes that's just enough for you. Like in a lot of companies, there's more leads than people can handle because reps, they're cherry picking. They're taking the top of the, the cream of the crop leads that are engaging the most. And there's just a whole bunch of leads that are just left there. And marketing's like, why would I go hire an outsource company? They can't handle what we already have. And, you know, we're doing just fine, but, you know, they can, they can still outsource. I think there's still value for that. But you have a big marketing team, chances are, you know, you're driving enough leads already. Big one, I think, is culture too. Like as a CEO, you just may not want to outsource anything. Just like you may not want to outsource IT, you may not want to outsource your sales. Especially if you're a sales CEO like myself with sales background, I see the value. But it was like at my previous startup, I didn't outsource sales. I brought it all in-house because I was like, hey, I definitely want this in-house because of culture and all the reasons that I mentioned. Otherwise, culture is a big one for a lot of people. So it may not work for you. And what, what about integrating them? Like you, you have sort of, you, you've come over to the <laughs> other side a little bit with your new startup. I mean, obviously, especially when you're selling to the market, but what about integrating them? So say you've got an in-house team and there's certain parts of the prospecting cycle that are being missed because you, you just literally don't have the people to do it or the technology to do it. Does then it make sense to kind of make a hybrid where you have an outsource program and you have an in-source program? 100% because internally you don't always have the technical knowledge and the domain expertise. You may be a great closer. You may know how to drive some leads, but you're not going to do it as good as an agency, an agency that's the bread and butter. I've worked with some great agencies they're amazing. Sometimes you get what you pay for, but you're not going to have the technical knowledge. You're not going to have the tech stack understanding as well. 
the integration. So now an agency is most likely going to integrate everything for you. In-house, you're going to your team, you're going to your manager, you're going to your CTO, buying product, integrating all these products. The hybrid model, a lot of these agencies, they're buying the tech for you. They already have the tech stack. They, they're already using a product that's going to be up and running. And that's another one too. The, the scalability, like that's a big hidden cost that most people don't even look at. You can work with an agency and within a week or two, they're probably already ready to run for you. And if you need to hire more, agencies already got the people in-house, training, recruiting, recruiting fees. Let's talk benefits. Like there's a lot of other things that go into that, but outsource agencies are ready to scale. They understand everything. The biggest thing that I see people missing with in-house and, and why they should go hybrid in a lot of cases, and it's not for everybody. This is not a blanket statement that everyone should go hybrid or everyone should go outsource. There's values of every point, in-house, outsource, and just doing it with a hybrid model. But the biggest things that most people don't understand, it's the management and the admin. And this is where most in-house companies fail is the management of everything. So deliverability. I was in a space all about deliverability and it took me years to figure it out. Validating emails and monitoring the email deliverability and backing up domains and not burning your main domain. Like agencies know this space, it's their bread and butter. And that's why a hybrid model works really, really well because more than anything, you're going to get, you're going to get leveled up and trained by the agency. Not that you want to cut them, but they're going to definitely save you years of time. 100%. Okay. So say you're sitting there and you're going, okay, I'm bought in. Lee, I get it. I believe what you're saying. Then how as a manager, like a middle level SDR manager at a company, how do you go have that conversation with the CFO and and with the VP of sales to get permission to do this? Because wouldn't they wouldn't they kind of look at you and go, well, you're supposed to do all this stuff. <laughs> like, <course>. why, are, <laughs> why did we hire like, you know, 10 SDRs to run this? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think if you're down the road where you already have 10 SDRs, you probably may not want to have the conversation because you may be on the hot seat. So you may <laughs> want to watch out. You may want to watch out for that one. I would probably, oh, be, I would probably maybe let go of that person. But if you're a new VP of sales or you're, you're, you've taken over a company and it's time to figure out which way you want to go. I would say, and if you have experience with doing this and you have a lot of experience doing it, start with in-house if that's what you feel like, because you know you have the experience and you can, you can manage it. But I always valid, promote bringing in an SDR, start an outsource company, starting slow because they're going to build the playbook for you. They're going to set the foundation they're going to do a lot of the dirty work and your goal early on in a company is probably doing a lot of sales still. And the management and the administration of running these campaigns is really time consuming. So I would say, again, if you have an existing team, you're probably going to want to run with it, but maybe find the, where are the gaps? Are you going into a new vertical, a new market? Maybe your reps are not so good on the enterprise and good in the SME. Find the gap and where that agency can fit in. But otherwise, I would definitely highly recommend going with an agency early on because they're going to definitely show you that playbook more than anything. That's really important. Got it. And so that's, that's a really important point. We ran a survey of buyers of agency, you know, people that have used outsourced products a while ago, outsourced services. And, you know, I think it was like 30% would recommend the same company. So 
you know, people are having a really hard time vetting these companies and knowing which ones to go with. You know, it's, it's either, you know, making a gamble on a company that you're not really sure on or just going with what your buddy used, you know, and <laughs> hoping for the best. So how do you think about vetting these? Like, what, what process did you go through to say, okay, I, I want to use one of these companies. How, how do I go about knowing if they can really help me? Yeah, it's definitely an interview process, just like you're hiring a VP of sales. So the first thing I, you want to understand is, you know, what's their process? You know, how much, you know, how much time you get, get to know them, know their business. You know, I've seen agencies out there, believe it or not, that literally have a lead gen form. It's you fill it out and then like they'll get started within a day. Probably not a good idea. Like I've seen it. I've seen it quite a few times. It's a bad idea. So you definitely want to sit down and understand and ha- not just have one meeting, have a few meetings. So understand their process. Another big one is what type of work do they do? Do you, do you need email work, phone? Is it LinkedIn? Is it content? So again, what's the gap that they're filling for you? If it's cold calling, this is another big one. If it's cold calling they're going to do, ask them to give you a cold call. Tell them to cold call one of your reps. See what happens. People don't vet these companies enough. Location's a big one. Like it could be maybe language, but not so much language. I would say time zone. Like are they working the same time zone as you? Because again, you want them to be an extension of your team. You want that, that synergy and automation to be you know, flawless. Some other things that you want to look at is, is, and this is another big one too. I've seen this a lot recently because it's easy to get into this space. A lot of agencies in this market have worked for another agency and they've left and they started up their own. So I see a lot of agencies only have one front man. And I don't mean just like, it's okay if you're just, you know, like the one CEO closing business and you have a few people working for you. That, that model I've seen works great too. But just that one front man that does all the work, does all the advocating that, that promotes and talks about, you know, their company and you never see or hear from that person again. And then they just pass you off to a VA and then that's it. They'll run your campaign and they'll close you. So you want to watch it. You want to see like, are you, if, are you hiring an account manager? Talk to the account manager. Like, just like if you were hiring a salesperson, you're not just going to interview them and say you like them. And then hopefully, you, you know, you'll talk to them in two, three weeks from now. You're going to want to work with them every day. Find out who you're working with every day. So don't get sold by the front man is, is a big one. That's huge. You know, it is. Yeah. How do you know, like, say you go in, you, you, you did all your due diligence that you're describing, you, you, you start using them. What are some red flags or what are some things that you should watch for, you know, in the first like 90 days of the engagement? Yeah. So first 90 minutes is that they know your ICP. So do they know your like ideal customer profile. If they haven't, so if you're a, let's say, make it simple. Let's say you're a software SaaS company and you're selling to VPs of sales and they only sell into manufacturing or e-commerce or wholesale distribution, or they've never sold in the U S probably a really easy sign. But within the first 90 days, you want to have at least some benchmark of results. So what are they claiming to provide you? And what are you able, what are they going to be able to deliver? But a lot of, a lot of the, the crap gets pushed onto agencies because there's so many expectations of them. So a company may go to an agency that has never booked a meeting ever. They've been in business for four or five years and it's, they're just starting to get into 
looking at an agency and they're expecting an agency to book them 25 meetings, but they've never booked anything themselves. Everything's been just by warm referral, for example. You can't go in expecting an agency is going to book you 25 meetings. And if they're telling you that after you just told them it's been four years and you haven't done well on any, any outsourcing, you know, you, you want to watch out for the blanket statements. So setting expectations is important on both ends. It's not just the agency side. It's, it's also on the client side. I think that gets missed out a lot. And the biggest one, it's onboarding. You know, how and what are they doing on, for onboarding with you? Are they walking and understanding? I want to see the last five clients that you brought on board. What are the last five clients you booked through cold email? What's your sales team process? How do you close deals? How do deals get, you know, sourced? What's marketing? Like, so the biggest question of them all, what's their strategy? Do they have a strategy for you? Because if they don't, I'd probably walk away. It's like, I want to book meetings with ICP of these people. Great. We can do that. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. We'll start tomorrow. I want to know strategy. I want to know what you bring to the table and I want to know how you're going to work with my team. Because even if you're not doing it in-house or a hybrid of it, you still want them to work and be an extension of your team. And do they, I mean, probably just depends on the one, but do they share the kind of the playbook, you know, that they're basically creating on your behalf of, because they're, they're getting all the information that they can from you. They're putting it into the system that they've pro- provided and they start to engage with the audience out there. And then they must be learning a lot. I mean, if they're, if they're any good, right? So do they share that back with you? Usually, I, or I is find it a that, black box? Yeah. I find that they should. I, I see a lot of agencies that do, and you should require it. You know, like it, it's like you're building code. If you're building code for somebody, you're going to want the code base, right? You want to you own it. And I would do the same thing with the agency. I, I want to know the playbook. If they're, if they're building a strategy for you, and if they have one, it should be very easy to share. Because that's how you're going to build a long-term engagement. I've seen companies work with agencies for years is because of the long-term engagement and the strategy that they, that they work for them. And as those companies grow, not only do they hire in-house, but they offset a lot of it with the outsource team. Because there's just a lot of dirty work that the in-house doesn't want to do. 100%. I mean, I, I think that people, there's a mindset from, I think it's p- kind of, I don't want to pigeonhole you know, people like me, but there's kind of a dinosaur mindset out there that the SDR job is simple. You just hire somebody right out of college and give them Salesforce and a phone and boom, you know, they, then you start to peel it open and you're like, man, it's super complicated. It's super hard. And, and it's very much like building a factory, you know, and you're trying to have one person go in and do every step of a factory. Um, and it's just a very simplistic thing. I think the people that are coming up now that were SDRs, they became, you know, sales reps. Now they're VP of sales. They understand that, but there's a, like a whole generation that kind of missed the boat on it, it seems. Well, it just got harder with COVID. Okay. So imagine how hard it was. It was hard before when you're in office, you hire an SDR that's, let's say, green. How do they learn who are they learning from? What's training look like? You know, we've all been in the pit, right? Like we've all been in the pit and sales and there's like, you know, 10 or a hundred reps within, you know, a sneeze from each other. And you hear and you pick up from the best reps and what they say and what their pitch is and your sales meetings. 
You don't have that now. Everyone's rem people are remote. So you're going to hire an SDR that's green, probably doesn't have, you know, the greatest management skill yet managing themselves and doing that remotely. It becomes a lot harder. So what I've seen since COVID is that every agency that I'm speaking to is, is, is definitely have more work than they need. Yes. I mean, because if you think about it, okay, so now, now, I mean, that was one of the best parts about like sales, you know, like the entry level part or, or becoming an SDR is like having your buddies around, going to the water cooler, grabbing a cup of coffee, going to lunch, like all that socialization is what made it fun to go to work. And I still 20 years later have lifelong friends that I made, you know, in the pit. Right. And now that's all gone. And, you know, instantly over the last eight months, you have to set up everything digitally for them, you know, and they're just sitting in their house. I mean, like, it's really a tough situation. And so, you know, to your point, it's like these outsourced agencies, they have everything set up. They've been doing this for years. It's all turnkey. So it's a tough, you know, decision, like, which one am I going to build, you know, build or buy? Yeah. 100%. It's like, you know, I call them at, you know, I call them, you know, like athletes, right? So instead of an athlete, it's an athlete. <laughs> I like that. Right. You can train as much as you want in the gym practice, but there's nothing that prepares you for live game action, right? The energy level completely different. You can't duplicate that in working remote. You know, we've probably everyone listening here has been in sales one time or another, especially if you're in BD and the energy of being in the office and, you know, just the joking around and, you know, we've all been there. We've heard that one sales guy with like that terrible cold call and you've kind of like you, you crack a joke and, you know, you make sure like, hey, I better not do the same thing or you learn from it though, right? You're not doing that now. And I find that's really hard. So Agencies definitely have had a leg up in the last six, seven months because they're used to working. Most of them used to working remote. They built the model. They built the playbooks. They have it ready to run for you. That's why it's coming up. I mean, that's that's on the market map, you know, the 10 bound market map, the biggest quadrant. It's going fast. Dude, I mean, we're working on version seven right now and the quadrant has like doubled. We're going to have to just make a market map for all these companies, you know, and now it's now, now people, this is super helpful because people have some tools to be able to start to talk to those companies and, and shortlist them. And that's also on the directory, the 10 bound directory, we've got a lot of these companies listed. So you can bookmark them and call them and start to set the, you know, vet them out. Lee, this has been so helpful, man. So if people want to, we're going to put a link in the comment to airborne app agencies and you know people that want to check out the company how do we get in touch with you linkedin's always great i get back to everybody so just be glad i show them you know get find me on linkedin you could email me at lee at airborneapp.com linkedin's best and airborneapp.com is website and if anybody is looking for help guidance want to just you know talk shop Hit me up on LinkedIn. I block out Fridays to do a lot of min work and talk to whoever in sales outside of just work, build relationships that way. I found that's always kind of like, it's been a big help for me, kind of blocking out some time to do a lot of catch up stuff. And, you know, we're happy to talk to people on Fridays and, and reach out to me. I'm happy to share ideas. And if you're a BD or in this space, like love to you know guide you the right way if I can. 
Yeah, and I, I have to say, you know, I should have mentioned this before, but Lee, you know, you have been super generous with your time and guidance and, and helping me. And we've had like, you know, half a dozen calls that go on for a long time because you just, you're a treasure trove of, of info. You've made great connections. And, you know, I want to thank you for, you know, supporting my journey here. And he's, he's not kidding, folks. I mean, he, he's a very open and generous guy and he's willing to help. So take him up on that. <laughs> Thanks, I, David. I appreciate that. And, and, you know, mutually beneficial, our relationship, you know, getting you on the phone again, you've always been easy to, to, to talk with and, and connections that we've made. So one thing that, you know, in this journey that we all take as entrepreneurs, and even if you're not an entrepreneur, it really doesn't matter. You're going to be a, a manager, a VP, a business owner one day, no matter what, there's two sides. There's, you know, someone's always selling, someone's always buying. And we're going to run across each other one way or another. So you might as well just share your time, build a good network of people and learn from each other. And, you know, there's always three, three things that I always say, you know, you outwork, you outsmart and, or you out intimidate people. You can do all those things, but you can also be really nice while you do it and, you know, work with people because you're going to cross paths. And, you know, I just, you know, a quick little story here. I was talking to a friend who was an angel investor He's looking to put some money in and then he had a, a friend that had another company and now all of a sudden like he was looking to invest, but now we're looking to integrate our products together. It's just like, it's a small world out there. So be kind. And when you get that bad LinkedIn or email, you know what? Just say no thanks and you'll be okay. You don't have to be a jerk. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, Lee, thank you so much. And I'm really excited to work with you more. This is just a tremendous opportunity for the outsource world. And I can't wait to track your progress with this, man. So thanks for coming on the Sales Development Podcast. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you. And thanks for your support. Happy to join today. Great. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.